Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are The Creeping Flesh and Nothing But the Night. Sounds like me when I sleep. I wear nothing but the night, so if it gets cold, I have Creeping Flesh. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Because I don't know if you guys wasted your whole week doing nothing important, but I hooked up a VCR. So... <laughs> I actually was, unplugged was, my. DVD. Was that significantly difficult? <laughs> was it difficult? You know, it, finding one was. I, I, I was going to say, you'd think hooking them up anymore, you'd have to be like, oh, fuck, now I got to find some way to like. Yeah, I found one, like, one of those online buy used people's stuff. So I went to this, and it was like this old guy, and I went to his house and takes me into his back shed, and he had like three oh. VCRs back there, and he's like, this is the one you were asking about, but these ones will sell you either one. Like, weird. Here's your twenty dollars. Can I go now? Doug almost became a horror movie. Oh yeah, it's back here in the shed. Come on back. It was a little weird. If it had been in the states, I don't think I'd have gone back into that guy's shed. But I for some it. reason, I'm picturing him as the old guy that sells the car and Christine. Not like, quite weird, weird, dirty, like wife beater with some weird back brace on the whole time. No, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> So how was your week off? It's pretty exciting. I spent much of it under a blanket, shivering, because yeah. I had this nasty fever. <sighs> well. Are you guys upset that you used up all of your uh, Canada and U.S. can't get along jokes prior to the G7? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you guys wouldn't have burned down our White House, we wouldn't I, be so upset. Really? Apparently, what you're really upset about is if if you guys uh, say we're a threat to your national security, and we say that seems inappropriate, that's enough to push your president over the edge. So. He's a, how uh, dare he stab me in the back? Like, you just imposed tariffs on his country. I I literally I watched the Trudeau press conference that upset Trump so much, and when it was over, I'm like, holy fuck! I'm so sick of these politicians going on TV and not saying anything of any substance. Nothing he said matters in any. Oh, okay. Apparently, it's blowing up the world. God, president <laughs> is a fucking psychopath. I know, but he gets along real well with the other psychopaths, so that's good. Yeah. And I mean, seems just fine to all of his supporters. In the Nevada primaries, a guy named, uh, uh, what's his name? Dustin Hoff yeah. just won the fucking primary. He is a pimp. He is a literal fucking pimp. 
Yeah, but he's a pimp who had his own reality TV show. So, and that is the Republican policy now: is to bring forth as many reality TV show hosts as possible. I'm just saying, and he's he's worse than Trump because if you watch that show, you're like, oh, he's oh, yeah. a sexual predator. Like, oh yeah, no, no, I watched the show. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I only uh, heard about the show from friends. Oh okay. Yes, I, I didn't watch the show regularly. Does that make me better? I watched it. I watched it for five minutes at a time. Does that count? <laughs> it wasn't porn. It was. A... <laughs> it's it's one of those things that you masturbate to when you're too lazy to look for porn. Oh God! <laughs> you're like it's Already? two o'clock in the morning, and I don't really want to walk all the way over there or pick up my phone. Oh, hey, cats! <laughs> <laughs> so we meet again, Air Force Amy. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> No, uh, you were just jerking off to her episode of Judge Judy that she was on. She was on an episode of Judge Judy? She sure was. Oh my god, I need that in my life. <laughs> <sighs> Let's see, Air Force Amy Judge Judy. That's gotta be on YouTube. Must be old episodes of Judge Judy on YouTube, I would assume. <laughs> I've never checked, believe it or not, but... And uh, looks like she was suing somebody named Bunny Love because, of course, I wanted to be that like in the lineup, like Bunny Love stood in front of her and stole her client. <laughs> Defamation of character. She called me a whore. You are a whore. I'm not that kind of a whore. <laughs> a literal whore. This can't be right. Uh it wasn't Judge Judy, but it, it was some one of those weird judge shows. Was it Judge, judge Joe Brown? Because that might be better. No. Judge Jeannie Pirro. Oh, what the fuck is that? But I think uh, she was like, it was like Judge Judy's, like, responsible for it. Responsible for it? Well, I don't want to say it, because it's not really a spin-off. Judy, this is your fault, Okay. <laughs> It's not really a spinoff, but it is, uh, like, I think her company created it, yeah. if that makes any sense. None of that makes any sense. No. <sighs> Just the simple fact that there is a person called Judge Judy who made, like, hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> for being a small claims court judge on TV makes no sense. <laughs> that whole thing is just messed up. And the best thing is, is she's famous for being a small claims court judge who's kind of a bitch. Yeah. Like, and somebody pitched that show. Somebody was like, we're going to do a show with this small claims court, and the judge is just going to be a royal bitch to everybody that walks through the door. <laughs> Sold. Put it in syndication. Make millions upon millions of dollars. But it's so, like, that whole the whole court shows on TV thing confuses me a little because rarely does anything particularly interesting happen <laughs> but a lot of people must be watching them yeah i don't get it but i think it's kind of like the new age of gossip where instead of gossiping around town about the random people you're basically just watching people air their dirty fucking laundry on tv and you're like "Ooh, bitch oh, yeah. Yes. yeah the state tv station i work for we are judge judy we also air a TV show called Hot Bench because there's three judges that weigh in on a case. 
Hot bench sounds like the porn version of Jimmy. It does. It sounds like girls are up there wearing like nothing but the robe. Uh, we also air Judge Faith, and then we also air a show called Couples Court. Nice. And then, last but not least, the white trashiest of the ju- of the Judge courtroom shows. We air a show called Paternity Court. So the is whole that, thing is basically just the ver- the part of Maury where they, where they tell people if they're if the kids are theirs or not. Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Classic. See, we, we do have a Canadian equivalents to those types of things. I have not seen any in a while, but the last one I watched was literally like a guy suing the pizza company for not delivering the right pizza or something. <laughs> I'm assuming the Canadian version Springer is them coming out airing all the same dirty laundry and then everyone apologizing to each other. They just hug it out and move on. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for making your life hard these last few times. Is your is like that show where he delivered the wrong pizza is it like two minutes long? Where the guy's just like, Your honor, he delivered the wrong pizza. What's that all about? And the guy is like I did. I'm very sorry. Here's coupons for three free pizzas. If, if the, memory... judge is, the judge is just like, do you accept? And he's like, yeah, I accept. And then they hug and then it's over with. Actually, if memory serves, I believe that the pizza guy was an Asian and the customer that was suing him made a racist comment about how he should have got his pizza from an Italian. <laughs> and then the judge just ordered him to apologize and dismiss the case. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. And that's where I was like, I'm just going to flip over to the American channel if I want to watch another one of these court shows. <laughs> Maybe somebody will get shot. You never know. Good Lord, you crazy Canadians. Yeah, we're nuts up here. So me and Noah took a vote. We decided to let you back on the show. Right. Turns out we read a history book and found out the Canadians did not burn down the White House. What year was the White House burnt down in? I don't know. Well, what, what war was it? War of eighteen twelve. But I do uh, believe it was burned down in eighteen thirteen. Right? Okay, and what year did Canada become a country? Uh, sometime after that. Yeah, that'd be eighteen sixty seven. So it's not that hard to figure out that it wasn't us. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, it's... we have a great a moron in the White House. So. I know. That's a funny thing. He's also the type of guy that you would point that out, and he would go, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was." <laughs> just keep going. You're probably right. You're like, no, but here's a history book. I'm like, I don't believe your liberal propaganda. Jesus. That's fake news. It's not news. It's the definition of non-news. It's history. <laughs> it's like he's been in the late stages of syphilis for a fucking decade. <laughs> like, just the crazy shit coming out of his fucking mouth all the time. <sighs> We don't want to alienate all of our listeners because, I mean, he is clearly going to win another term and you guys are going to have to deal with him longer, so. Uh, we can't let that happen. There's there's a good chance. I don't uh, want to think about it. I would say like a 90% chance. I would, I would dare to say that if the paths are as predictable as they typically are, I would look for there to be a war started in the year 2019. You're to hear it first, folks. 
I mean, math, mathematically. Don't get excited, Doug, because it's probably going to be with you. I know. That's the part that's scary this time. <laughs> that you guys are going to go bomb North Korea. No, we're friends with them now. We're, uh, mad at you guys. we're mad at you guys for the way that you're kind to your milk farmers. Un- unpopular Republican presidents uh, have a pretty solid track record of starting a war. Yeah. To be fair, American presidents have a track record of being at war. You can, I mean, if... if well, yeah, it's like it's like once every ten years. Uh, yes, yeah, probably. Well, that. See what happens, Doug. Is like he said, an unpopular Republican president starts a war, and then it lasts long enough that then the the new Democrat president that comes in has to deal with it and figure out a way to shut it down, and that takes usually about another four or five years, and then we're out, and then four years later, someone starts another one. Although, although the last one was brilliant because instead of you know starting a war with a country, they started a war with an idea. Yeah, and so it'll never end. Yep. that's fun. <sighs> Genius. Uh, along with the war on substances, he is a couple of those lifelong wars going. Uh, all right, I'm depressed now. This, guy, this like conversation got really ridiculous, considering it's like the first time since we started this podcast that we're doing like classy British films. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe America needs to go back to the motherland. <sighs> All right, Doug. Well, since you were gone last week, which movie would you like to cover first? Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Choose. All right, how about The Creeping Flesh? All right, go for it, Doug. Uh, Let's see. So The Creeping Flesh opens up on a scientist played by Peter Cushing, who is warning people that something terrible is coming. And then through a flashback, it's revealed that during one of his scientific expeditions, he dug up a weird-looking skeleton thing that is older than Neanderthals, but appears to be more advanced, implying that something strange happened and something weird must have gone along. Um, he's trying to study it. He, When he gets back, he finds out that his uh, wife died while he was away. He goes to the asylum where she was living, where his, his half-brother, I think, yeah. uh, runs the asylum. That guy's played by Christopher Lee. Because, uh, of course, if you see Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing. It's like seeing one of the Corys. The other one's bound to show up. Uh, <laughs> these guys were the two Corys of at the time. It, am uh, I the only person that thought that Christopher Lee was slightly unrecognizable in this movie? Because like, little... you're so nah. used to seeing gray hair Christopher Lee that nah, like you see him with dark hair and you're like, hmm. No, nah, I knew who it was right away. Yeah, yeah. You're just wrong, Noah. He did 8,000 movies between 1970 and 1979. I'm not saying you couldn't tell it was him. I'm saying that like, you look at him and you're like, that's not... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Continue on, Doc. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah. So while, uh, while Peter Cushing is studying his skeleton, he gets it wet and realizes that when water touches the skeleton, it will start to grow back its flesh. He starts to get pretty freaked out. He studies some ancient... I think it's from New Guinea. So he starts studying... Yeah. He happens to have books in his home about the uh, old religious practices of the tribes of New Guinea. 
and basically figures out that these are this is it's like some kind of an evil being that the ancient New Guineans destroyed. New Guineans is probably not the right term for people from New Guinea. Um, and so he's trying to keep it, figure out how to destroy it uh, or to set out something. He actually has the idea to put out a vaccine to prevent people from being infected by the evil that this thing will bring forward. Uh, but of course, things go awry. Eventually, his brother tries to steal it from him. And there's a really cool twist ending that we'll have to talk about, but not until after a spoiler warning. Gotcha. So that's, I mean, that's basically the plot, is he's trying to figure out how to inoculate the world against evil before this evil being grows back all its flesh and starts to go around infecting people. Yeah. The one quick thing that uh, you didn't cover is he uh, creates a serum, injects it into a monkey, yeah. And it's like, oh, look, the serum's totally working. So I'm going to go inject it into my daughter because I'm afraid my daughter's going to go crazy like my wife. And then literally, like, he, as soon as he sets the needle down from injecting her, we find out, oh, no, they made the monkey go crazy and tear up the lab. Yeah. Did you guys, did you guys think that uh, the whole thing with the daughter and the wife's madness fed a little bit into the weird old hysteria that if a woman likes a dick, you have to lock her in an insane asylum. Uh, I did notice that, yeah. I wasn't wasn't sure if it was taking it to task, or if it was just feeding right into that. I think it was feeding into it, yeah, because certainly it's like when you say, like, so we see the monkey goes crazy, it trashes the lab, and then, like, the daughter also goes crazy, and she just basically kind of gets sluttier. Yeah, that's, that's her version of going She tarts herself up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, she goes She goes to a bar that's frequented by sailors on leave, if you know what I'm saying. And yeah, and when we saw the uh, the montage of the mom going crazy, it's just she was sleeping with everybody, pretty much. Yeah. It's, it, it really is. It's not as progressive in its view of women as it could be. <laughs> but it was the 70s in England. You got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. She also... In the the bar scene uh, where she's like, where she just escaped being raped the first time, mm-hmm. and she goes back downstairs and decides to like dance, and the same guy keeps basically assaulting her over and over and over against a crowded room full of people, and oh, yeah. she keeps being like, "No, stop touching me!" and everybody's like, "Ha ha, it's all in good fun!" and finally he does it the third time, she stabs him in the fucking neck, <laughs> and then all of a sudden everybody's like. That crazy bitch! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all accurate. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you went into a little more detail. I, I said not as progressive in its view of women as it could be. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, it's it's problematic. To the, this A lot of these old-timey horror films, especially the ones from England, the way that women are treated is an issue, and this is no exception. <laughs> Oh, we also forgot there's an entire side plot of an escaped madman. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. I, I did, did forget to which, mention that, didn't I? Which kind of culminates in, in fucking nothing. Yep. That, that was a completely unnecessary tangent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought that was going to go somewhere. And it's like, oh, I bet like he's going to become infected or something. Yeah, totally expected something to come from it. 
nope. that's why that's why I got left out of my plot description is because it's not really part of the plot. It's just a thing yeah. that happened in the background. <laughs> creepy looking dude. Well, I, it's not the background. I mean, I bet twenty minutes of this movie's dedicated to Lenny stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, and it it's unnecessary, and the movie move, moves pretty slow. So you would think that maybe don't have so much unnecessary stuff happening. <laughs> like, well, Lenny shows up at that at a bar. Is it the same bar? The same I bar. think so. Yeah. So he shows up and trashes it one day, and then she shows up and causes a ruckus the next day. Yeah, the bar has a rough go. There's a whole, you know, how, like the the joke about how there's like another movie about different characters that could be made. It's like this could be happening. This poor bartender who's just trying to run this establishment. <laughs> People keep coming in and wrecking it every day. <laughs> I, I really thought whenever she's when she's on the run after stabbing the guy and. Uh, you know, she gets. You think she's going to get attacked by Lenny, but instead he's just kind of trying to help her hide. Yeah, I thought it was heading toward like a weird, two crazy people, Bonnie and Clyde scenario. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was leaning that way for a bit. I can, uh, and then it just didn't. I thought either they would like fight each other, or they would come together as a team, or like you know. Avengers style, they'd duke it out for a bit and then realize they had common insane goals, but nothing really came of it. No. So, uh, what'd you think of it, Doug? Uh, so, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. I, like, we'll get to the ending um, after, like I say, we need a spoiler yeah. alert, but I loved it, the ending, uh, which really saved the movie for me because I was back and forth on whether or not I liked it throughout I enjoyed all the stuff where it was like Peter Cushing in his lab with the skeleton and the, the, the actual creeping flesh where they show the flesh growing back onto the bones. It was like, cool. I wanted more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, these weird, like the daughter's gone insane now, so she's going to go to a bar and flirt with a bunch of guys. I, it, it didn't do much for me. It seemed unnecessary. Um, I liked it. I do like both Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee as actors, I really, even though they don't, they're not great actors because they're that old school kind of. They're they're more bringing forward their own personalities. Yeah, shut your whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Every week I'm told to show my whore mouth. Um, but yeah, I I, I, I learn. <laughs> Overall, yeah, I liked it. It's you know, it is it's very kind of stagey these old British movies are but that's like you have to know what you're going into when you watch these types of movies and if it's not if that's not for you that's understandable um, but that's what these types of old movies are they're slower paced there's a lot of like I say a lot of plot time spent on things that don't matter um, but yeah overall I liked it what did you think this is your suggestion right Brian uh, I think initially yeah I don't remember how it ended up on the list, but um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much am on sort of the same page as you. Kind of knew what I was getting into. Uh, there is a lot of weird tangential stuff in this movie, but usually when Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee are sort of the focus of the scene, of course, it ends up working out really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish it would have been more of a monster movie. Than sort of a weird psycho drama type thing. Yeah, if you edited out like all the time spent following Lenny around, 
and even some of the time spent with the daughter and just replaced that with more time more scenes of like flesh growing back in the lab and more time spent on the monster once it's kind of up and moving around mm -hmm. i think that would have been better for me yeah more enjoyable for me yeah that's kind of where i'm at too um yeah we'll get i guess get more into that stuff towards the end the spoilers i guess i don't know um yeah that's pretty much where i'm at more monster less people going crazy for the sake of going crazy yeah what about you noah uh i feel like the first five or ten minutes of the movie sells you on a different movie than it is which is kind of s severely disappointing, especially at the beginning. Whenever it shows the painting of the the like the flesh eating, like gray faced monster things, mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh yeah, let's do that." That's. <laughs> I was like, "All right, I'm on board with these gray faced monster things," and then like it just drifts on and on and on, and you're like, "I gotta get a cool gray faced monster thing." <laughs> This seems this seems more like them talking about women that have sex are crazy, and that is very disappointing. Well, you have to find a way to edit that in. It's important to have a moral stance in your film, right? And they seem to spend a lot of time focusing on the the competitiveness of him and his half brother attempting to to outscience the other one. <laughs> yeah. I will earn the Richter Award. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, brother of mine. And I think part of that is just because they had, they, you know, when you have the two Corys, you find a way to make them not get along on screen because it's more fun to watch, right? And I think that's what they were doing, showcasing their two big-name actors. Um, again, always fun to watch one of them do something, anything. But plot-wise... Did it really make sense that they had this weird wannabe rivalry over some made-up award? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I said. I feel like if the if the beginning of the movie had just sold me on it being like a monster movie, yeah, I I might have liked it more. And I don't know if I have the same feelings about the ending as uh, Doug. Mm. All right. Well, do we want to jump into spoilers? Anything else pre-spoiler you want to talk about? Uh, not really. I mean, it was, uh, like I say, it, it's very typical of British horror from the 70s. So I would think that you're either a fan of that or you're not. I don't think this film will win you over if you're not. I don't think it'll turn you off if you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Well, I guess spoiler alert. So if for some reason, not for some reason, but if you decide you want to watch this movie... Uh, there is kind of a weird twist towards the end, so be aware. Yeah. All right. So, what'd you like about it, Doug? I just I loved the the final moments when we go back to air quotes modern day Peter Cushing in. So the big reveal is that he wasn't in a lab at the beginning when he started telling his story. He was in one of the cells in his brother's asylum, and everyone there nobody there believes this to be a true story they all believe it to be uh just the ravings of a madman who's been locked in this cell for three years christopher lee is the uh is running the asylum but claims not to be the guy's brother 
Um, but interestingly enough, the Peter Cushing character is missing a finger just like he would have lost in, in the story, implying that some element might be true and some might not be. And I think it's just up to the viewer to just, hey, either this evil monster was released on, on the earth and Christopher Lee's this horrible psychopath who's just locked up his brother so that he doesn't have to deal with the consequences of it. Or Peter Cushing's character was crazy the whole time and everything we saw previous to this was made up. And you get to just sit back and enjoy that. I really liked that ambiguity. I thought that was really fun. So which do you think is true? I have no idea. And I think the... I mean, I like to think that there's a monster out there causing... Oh, of course. That's the fun part. That's, That's way more fun. And I think they kind of they give you that with the with the missing finger. If you want that to be the answer, then there you go. Um, but I just really liked watching that final scene because I liked kind of crazy old Peter Cushing in his <laughs> insane asylum cell. Um, that that's what I really loved about it was watching him there with his like frayed out hair, kind of going nuts. Mm. Um, and you know, like I, like I say, yeah, I want the answer to be that there's a monster roaming killing people causing evil because that's it would explain a lot Uh, (laughs) but you know i I think you can easily argue the other way as well i don't think there's a right answer so how did you not enjoy it though uh well the first bit i did not like the uh the monster once once again those paintings and stuff that monster design i was like yeah i want i want that and what we ended up getting was a weird, bulbous, frog-based thing. Yeah, there's a a it's problem bad. with special effects and makeup effects in British horror at this time. And yeah. it's just like I don't know if you've ever seen like the old like Hammer Frankenstein movie, the first one. It what? literally like are you it, talking about Curse of Frankenstein? Yeah, the, and the makeup effects look like something out of like a high school play, like a paper mache mask. Crazy! That's one of the best Frankenstein makeup of all time, <laughs> with the bad eye and stuff. I assume you're being sarcastic. I think oh. the evil, the evil of Frankenstein, the second one. I think that Frankenstein makeup looks shitty, but that first one's awesome. I think they're all terrible until you get up to like Frankenstein created woman, where I think it's there isn't much makeup and Frankenstein and the monster from hell. That it's really good. Sorry, you're just wrong about this now. That's okay. Uh, abs- absolutely not. <laughs> God damn. Let it go. Do the Canadians have a White House? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like I said, that that was really disappointing. And then I thought the the double fakey. He was crazy the whole time, or was he? Ending is just like I've seen that movie that that ending like a million times, so it doesn't work. Out. It doesn't do anything for me anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it was really well executed in this one, and I it was I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I mean the way I interpreted it because he talks about the fact that he won the Richter Prize the year that 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 uh, Cushing's character got locked up. So my assumption is that he found a way to duplicate the evil serum and shot old Cushing up with the evil serum to make him crazier. Which is plausible. Yeah. Well, that was it. Like I, I don't think I don't think it was bad. I just thought 
I thought overall the movie was a little boring. And because the ending didn't have anything extra to offer other than something that I've seen before, it kind of ended up being boring. So just over, and which is really sad because I love fucking Hammer movies, and this was a this was kind of a dead. Ouch. Um, I was probably like middle of the road. I'm kind of, I guess, yeah, in between you guys. Like, I enjoyed lots of parts of it, but overall, I think at the end of the day, it was just sort of a, yeah, okay, I watched it. I probably never need to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this is going to become, you know, a regular watch for me. It is just one of those, I thought it was, there were a lot of fun parts. Um, I I think probably a lot of it does come down to whether you enjoy that ending, I guess. And it's definitely my favorite part of the movie. Well, Noah, do you want to take on uh, Nothing But the Night? Uh, sure. So, Nothing But the Night opens in a series of... I would I would refer to them as uh, Giallo-esque murders, you know, where all you see is hands. And, uh, you know, it's an old lady in a car, gets pushed over a cliff, she explodes... Her car explodes real early. I, I think you're supposed to hit something. Before they <laughs> <laughs> uh, another guy gets pushed off a balcony. And then a bus driver gets set on fire, wrecking the bus. Uh, and a little girl makes it out unscathed. The little girl appears to be having some kind of psychological issues from the accident. She's constantly talking about fire, and they keep talking about how she's never been in a fire. The audience is left to believe it's got something to do with the fact that it, it appeared that the bus driver bursted into flames attempting to light a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, but pretty awesome. Well, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> uh, the, the hospital is attempting to find her help. Oh. And perhaps some slightly more nefarious purposes to their help. I'm not sure. It's kind of a weird vagity. Her mother shows up, who it turns out her mother's kind of a piece of shit. And so then it's this battle between the mother trying to get to see her kid and this reporter who's involved in that and the hospital being like, no, we have to save this kid for whatever our weird fucking ulterior motive is. Uh, doctor trying to help her ends up dead. She ends up going back to the orphanarium or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> orphanarium, I like that. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what it is. It's it's like an it's like a weird complex. It's not quite an orphanage. An orphanage is like a building where they just keep orphans. This is some weird castle on the sea. <laughs> really nice orphanage. That's also like a school. Yeah, that's. And uh like an, like an X-Men? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's like the X-Mansion, only with weird little girls. <laughs> and boys. We find out that the mother is stuck onto the island, more people turn up dead, we're like, oh, the mom's crazy killing her way to the little girl, and then twist ending. <laughs> yeah. Which we won't spoil that, because that No no no. That that's hard. That's a pretty hard left that movie took. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll have a spoiler section for this. Do you think so? (laughs) (laughs) Found that ending to be a little uh, catch you a little off guard. I I don't see why. (laughs) So, what did you think, Noah? I thought that this was a. So I really liked the beginning, and I was like, okay, we're gonna get a bunch of people dying. And then there's this whole draggy bit in the middle where I was like, they tricked me. <laughs> this movie is not fun. And then the ending happened, and I was like, man, that ending's really fucking good. That is a really good ending on a boring movie. <laughs> so I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I don't know if I'd watch it again because I don't want to sit through that draggy middle bit. <laughs> uh,. Damn, those last those last ten minutes are real good. Yeah, I'm not too far behind you. I think there is definitely a sort of a dragging in the middle. That if you could kind of get a get some of that out of there, yeah, I think it would play a lot longer. Uh, the weird thing is, this was purely coincidental. Uh, both the movies this week came out in 1973. Uh, and yeah. I, I was sort of the same way, like, okay, this is really interesting, starts off, and then it kind of becomes like a police procedural for a while, but then nothing like interesting really happens while that's going on. Well, yeah, and the weird part about that, too, is we have, once again, the crazy, unnecessary side story of the mom running around in this one. Yeah. You're just like, well, that's not going to be anything. Like, this is an obvious, like, red herring. That mom's not doing all these killings. Like, well, they're trying to like, and they keep bringing up the fact that they're like the trustees are getting murdered, and you know, there's there's not a lot of people left that'll inherit the trust. And you're like, well, that mom can't inherit the trust. Why is she killing all these people? I don't fucking, like, I don't fucking get it. Yeah, like she, it was pretty obviously not her right from the get go. And so you're like, well, if it's it's not her, so why is she in the movie then? And I still don't really have a good answer to that after watching the whole. <laughs> I, I kept thinking, I was like, is it Peter Cushing? Is Peter Cushing killing all these people? Like, the weird lab guy at the hospital? And... Yeah, this one, Peter Cushing runs a pathology lab. And Christopher Lee plays a um, detective? Yep. I don't know if they call him something different over in London. but I don't know. It's weird. They call uh, Peter Cushing's character Sir all the time. So I guess the pathology guy has been knighted. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. That is because yeah, when the credits start rolling, like his character name has Sir at the beginning of it. Yeah. And I'm like, what? So, so right, it doesn't make any sense to me why that guy would be knighted, but then they don't address it. Like, <laughs> maybe he's supposed uh, to be a noble of some kind. Maybe he's with the Sir. So, so what did you think of it overall, Doug? Um, yeah, I like I'm I. Yeah, the, the mom stuff was completely unnecessary. As far as the police procedural stuff, um, that's not my favorite subgenre, police procedurals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I'd rather follow the killer than follow the police officers who are looking for the killer, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that to be a little draggy. Uh, I don't think it was poorly made. I don't think it was poorly acted. I just think it doesn't necessarily suit my personal taste. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a lot of it that goes on where you're just like it's just the two of them talking and you just think like as an like it's not like it's like a who done it where as an audience we haven't been given the information we need to know what's going to come next um so it's not like you can be guessing at 
at it the whole time, the way you might be with some other movies. So you're just watching these guys figure it out, and it takes them a while. Um, mm. So I found that to be, yeah, they dragged quite a bit, even though I did, again, I still liked watching these two guys act off each other. Um, I kind of did enjoy when, like, uh, Christopher Lee's character would just randomly get grouchy with people, especially if the press. <laughs> but that was pretty fun when he would just start like losing his mind at reporters for no reason, just for like asking pretty standard questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if that was intended to be funny. I just, I like the whole bit of the movie where they're like, "There's a madman, and she's made it to the island," and they're like, "No, she hasn't." They're like, "No, we've got solid evidence. She, she is here," and they're like, "Yeah, it's gonna be all right." And then people start like dying, and then they're like, "Yeah, that's not her. <laughs> Unrelated." Oh, there was also like the weird subplot of like, which I guess like this will matter when we get to the ending, but the police kept trying to put people inside the school and the school kept refusing to allow police officers to be stationed inside. And you're like, they went back and forth on that issue a lot. And they spent a lot of time on it. You're just like, can we just move on from this? It's, it's <laughs> either, either put a cop inside the school or stop asking. It doesn't matter. And it is, I guess it is relevant once the ending is revealed. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It seemed like we spent a lot of time having that conversation like 12 times for <laughs> This is true. Uh, what do you think you guys want to cover before we move to spoilers? Uh, do you have to give uh, Christopher Lee credit for changing his facial hair up once again for this movie? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, playing a cop, going full mustache. That's how it works, right? As <laughs> <laughs> opposed to Peter Cushing, who looks exactly like he does in this, as he does in every other movie. Yeah, that's true. I would say they do, even even though it's boring, they do do a good job of giving it that, uh, like the whole movie's got this kind of uncomfortable vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. Like it, like I say, it's it's a well executed in the sense that the whole time you don't know what's coming and you know it's bad, and it it has that atmosphere to it. It's just yeah, yeah. Like something's wrong. And it's you almost don't know like, what the rock thing is. Yeah, they what they maybe should have done is edited way down the stuff with the mother because it ends up being not important. For me, it was pretty obvious that it wasn't important from the get-go. And then spread some of those kills from early in the movie out throughout the film. Uh, and that might have made this... It, it, there would have been less of a gap between the sort of action-y moments and the pacing might have worked better. That's just for me. I mean, I'm not a British person in the 70s, so maybe maybe they would have thought that was crazy. But for me, that would have made the film more enjoyable because everything was well executed. Everything was well done. It's just really slow. Yeah, I pretty much feel the same way. I did really like some of the the um, on-location shooting that they did, like the little village and the like, big cliff top over the ocean and all that. It, looked, it all looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their locations were awesome. All right, well, let's jump into spoilers because this one's got one doozy of a spoiler ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't. If if somebody managed to call what was happening in this movie, 
They would, that would blow my fucking mind. Like, I'd be like, you cheated. Well, if you watch the trailer for the movie, it implies some of the ending. But it was to the point where I'm like, well, that trailer was really misleading as I was watching the movie. <laughs> That's, that trailer's not accurate at all. Turns out it uh, is. Yeah, so I pretty much... Uh, and to be fair, I... Uh, I watched this while I was at work, so it didn't drag nearly as much for me because I uh, had other distractions, I guess. But um, <clears throat> so I'd kind of figured, like, oh, they're saying the mom's done all this, which, as we pointed out, was pretty obvious that not the case. And I was gonna be like, oh, it's gonna turn out that the girl's actually evil, and she's been the one killing all these people. Yeah, see, I was uh, thinking psychic. That she was going to be like psychic and she was murdering people in her dreams or something, you know. Yeah, see, I didn't even get that. I just figured, like, oh, she's just evil. I don't know. Um, yeah, I I kept thinking maybe it's the little girl, but then I'm thinking that would be a total cheat because that little girl couldn't physically do the things that the person did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, there is some weird psychic stuff in there, which I thought I was the whole time. I'm just like, this is odd. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Noah, you want to tell us what the uh, what the twist ending was? Since I know he, you were just like, what the fuck? Well, it's you know what it is. It's the ending of Get Out and The Wicker Man mixed together. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Because I was like, "Holy shit, this is where they got get out from." I was like, <laughs> they're, they're surgically taking the old people and putting them in the children. <laughs> yeah, and man, and apparent, but apparently in this version, it makes the uh, kids go cray cray. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I was just sitting there and I was kind of like, "Wait, what's going on?" And I thought the sort of interesting part was because Christopher Lee is like sort of the one that's like directly on their trail trying to like, oh, and then like comes upon them around this bonfire and they like wrap him up in in like rope and they're going to try to pull him into the fire. Yeah. Cackling about how they're actually old people and children bodies. And I'm just like. Yeah, this is fucked up. This is the Wicker Man. Like, this is his revenge for Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that scene, that particular scene of him wrapped up in the ropes with them basically playing tug of war like a fucking game, pulling him mm-hmm. toward the giant bonfire. That is fucking great. That is some good <laughs> horror movie shit right there. Yeah. All the stuff where Christopher Lee is fighting small children is outstanding. Like, <laughs> When they when he because he, when he first shows up and he's trying to like stop them from burning, what they th- what they're treating as a an effigy, but it turns out to be a real person, <laughs> and he's like trying to get in there to stop them. They're all like tackling him before they tie him up. And you're like that's outstanding, and we're still getting like the voiceover tent like of other characters talking, reminding us what the story is. <laughs> yeah, no, the kids are dressed like old people. Yep, yeah. but that yeah. was a nice touch. Oh, yeah. So I, I was sort of right. Like the girl, the girl sort of is evil, but <laughs> the reason 
was just like completely out of nowhere. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Well, I, don't know. I just think you weren't paying enough attention to all the uh, little clues they dropped. Maybe. Maybe that was my problem. I mean, I guess there technically there are, but I don't like still, I don't think anyone could guess it. Like no, no. it's it's awesome that the reveal, like you go back to the movie and you're like, oh my god, all this other stuff makes so much sense now. <laughs> but still, there's not nearly enough information in that movie. I mean, it's basically a cheat ending. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> and then, kind of man, okay with, like... after after old Christopher Lee sets the little girl on fire and she makes her terrifying <laughs> Rosemary's Baby speech while burning to death. Uh, the fact that like all of the children just limbing themselves off the cliff and it's kind of drawn out like that camera lingers on these children hurling themselves onto the rocks <laughs> that whole thing man what a great fucking ending to a, a boring movie it's weird <laughs> this was sort of a, a trope of 70s filmmaking though there'd be these like horror movies where not much happened, not much happened, not much happened, and then the end was just batshit insane. <laughs> it's yeah. good to see that they were doing that in uh, England as well, because it's very common in some of the lower budget American horror movies from the time. <laughs> uh, it's. I just think it's funny, because when we were putting the list together, I was like, oh, I just got the Creeping Flesh. I kind of want to watch that. You know, We should watch it for the show. And then we just looked up other movies with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee that were not Dracula movies. And I'm just like, I've never heard of this movie, but eh, we'll throw it on the list. Why not? I'd never heard of it either. Now I'm glad I've seen it. <laughs> I know. So now you can sound smart when you're talking about Get Out. You'd be like, well, I don't know if you know this little movie from the 70s, British cinema. Called yeah. Actually, you know what the worst thing is? Is while I was like, oh, that's cool. That's where they got this from. At the same time, I was like, oh, well, that sucks. And one of the things I really liked about Get Out is I was like, man, that's such an original concept that nobody's done. Nope. <laughs> Nothing's an original concept. Those don't exist anymore. Every story that could be told has been told. Well, he's got to tell an original way, Noah. Yep. Well, I would I would argue Get Out's a better executed film because the whole film is good as opposed to this one, where the beginning is the good and the ending's good. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, they're completely different movies in a lot of ways. <laughs> as as in, I don't believe this movie has a single black person in it. No, there's like one black kid because he really kind of stood out. <laughs> He's like the only one. <laughs> it's like, what's he doing there? But yeah, it was so, it, like I said, it was so crazy that that me in that movie was so like I, I kind of was getting mad toward the end of it, where I was like, I feel like I got ripped off because this movie's got this creepy vibe, and I'm not getting any weird creepy shit happening, and then all the creepy shit. Yep, just cram it right in there at the end, and it was awesome when they did. <laughs> it's like why couldn't we have? We more did get that? the we did get the uh, the boat explosion. Yeah. Fun. Well, like everyone's staring out of this boat, discussing it, that it just blows the fuck up. <laughs> I enjoyed that. The whole town got together to watch this boat, just to watch it blow up. <sighs> and that's one of those things too, where that, because that boat explosion, when 
Peter Cushing's character examines the bodies and says, oh yeah, they were dead before the explosion. That's one of those hints we get that something supernatural might be going on here. So there is, I mean, maybe there is more if I were to just sit down and rewatch this that would hint towards the ending. Well, that's what I'm saying. And the, the, the thing I made a connection to, too, was I was thinking something weird. It kind of glossed over. The old lady that gets pushed over the cliff I don't think she necessarily looks dead when it's happening. It looks like she's almost in a trance or something. Yeah. And then at the, you know, at that point, whatever they say, they were all dead before they, you know, killed them. They just did it to destroy the bodies. I was like, oh, that's what they did with that old lady, too. And then I was like, yeah, but the second guy that she pushed off the balcony, that can't be what they did because he was standing up. Yeah, I did like when the car exploded. That was maybe my favorite part of this whole movie. The car explodes going over the cliff, and they're like, look like suicide. And it's like, that doesn't <laughs> seem right at all to me. <laughs> Put a stick of dynamite on the, on the dashboard of your car, light it, then drive off a cliff. <laughs> so the car explodes before it crashes. That's how you chose to commit suicide. Yeah, the car travels like 10 feet and then just blows up. <laughs> It's, it's a unique suicide technique but. I guess so uh, alright anything else before we move on I don't know I would say this was a recommend even though uh, it's not a super easy watch like like I said the middle is boring but it's worth it it's worth it to watch it once yeah yeah I think I think both of these movies you're gonna have to just go like look you're watching old British horror it's slower paced than what you're used to there's a lot of stuff that's not relevant plot-wise. It is sort of... They do tell you more than they show you, which is a problem for me, but it's just a different style of filmmaking than what we normally discuss, especially on this show. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hello, gentlemen. This is Eric in Ann Arbor. I wanted to give you some feedback. First, I'd like to make a correction. You guys were talking about the incident in Tim Horton's uh, and you were theorizing that it may have been in Buffalo in the United States, which would have made more sense. No, 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 no. Uh, I posted a link to this article on Facebook for Doug uh, taunting him about something awful happening in Canada. Uh, this person was arrested by Royal Mounties in Langley, British Columbia. This did happen in Canada. Stop trying to pawn your shit off on us, Doug. I also wanted to thank Noah for coming up with a term for something that's bugged me for a long time, which is Nick Cage's donkey faces. I want to punch Nick Cage right in his donkey face. I wanted to do so for a long time, but not always. See, Nick Cage frustrates me because he has proved in the past that he's capable of doing a good job. He won an Oscar. He was fantastic in Leaving Las Vegas. He's been good in other things too, but... Something happened to Nick along the way. I don't know what it was. Maybe he got hit on the head. But he named his son Kal-El and then started collecting castles, which, believe it or not, is not a sound financial investment. So now that he's broke, 
He has to take any parka you can get, and he sits around making donkey faces and collecting paychecks. And it makes me want to punch him in his donkey face. Because we end up with crap like the Wicker Man remake and Drive Angry. So you guys are talking about doing a Nick Cage month. I really hope you don't, because uh, he's done some horrible, horrible shit. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, it would be totally on brand for you guys to do that just to get revenge on me for my really long email. So uh, maybe this is a bad idea. I, I think I'm just going to delete this whole thing. Ah, uh, crap, this is send button. Uh, so you just heard feedback from Eric. Uh, basically just called in to correct us because, I don't know, he wants to feel superior to somebody. Yeah, it's all he can do. <laughs> so that's all he's got. He called in to bitch and moan and then to request a Nick Cage month or something. I stopped listening. But <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do some Nick Cage movies to quiet him down. Well, first of all, he said Nick Cage was doing a bunch of horrible movies, which I don't disagree with. But then he listed Drive Angry as one of them. Which, if you watch Drive Angry, it's it's one of the greatest Ghost Rider movies they've ever made. Yeah, well, it's got to be better than the Ghost Rider movies that they called Ghost Rider. <laughs> I thought Drive Angry was super fun in the theater, so... Listen, I don't know. I made a deal with Hollywood... A lot of years ago, I just said, look, guys, if there's something you don't want me to watch, just put Nick Cage in it, and I'll just stay away. <laughs> and they were like, no problem. And apparently there's a lot of shit they don't want me to watch. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, that's how you guys feel. Well, that's it. We're doing Drive Angry for the show. You just sealed your fate. That's, it's a good way to judge people, too. If somebody tells me, oh, yeah, I fucking love Nick Cage, I'll be like, mm-hmm. Sure, You're one of those people. Nice, nice knowing you. <laughs> Now we know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he basically called to tell Doug that now the, the Tim Hortons thing happened in Canada. But don't get all smug there, Brian. You're the one that told me it happened in the States. I, I know, I know. He was he was like getting mad at you. And I'm sitting there thinking like I didn't believe I'm the one that said I thought I read that it was in Buffalo. Yeah. So screw you, Eric. Wrong again. I'm telling you, these listeners are getting a little emboldened. We need oh, just, to uh... just the one, really. <laughs> Might be all the listeners, for all we know. <laughs> yeah, we might have to. Uh... Should probably be nicer to him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just Eric and Brian and then I just out there together listening to the podcast. <laughs> so we're only getting one download because they have those one of those splitter things with, so they can listen on two sets of headphones. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> um, all right. Anybody watch anything since last? Well, it's been two weeks for Doug, but a week since last week for me and Noah. It's been a, it's been a week since last week, has it? Shut your mouth, Canadian. <laughs> Jesus. Keep <laughs> the racism to a minimum, please. Uh your country was committing war crimes before it was a country. <laughs> yeah. Just, that's how bad that's how bad it was. We did we didn't start committing crimes against humanity until like immediately after we became <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate or not. It's not. That's <laughs> why you became a country. <sighs> so Noah, did you watch anything? <laughs> Uh, I did. I did watch a few things. Uh, I started watching the show uh, uh, Shit's Creek. 
Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, with Eugene Levy in it. It's pretty fucking funny. That's a good show. It's not it's not as funny as I was hoping it was going to be, but it's got Eugene Levy in it and uh, What's-Her-Face, the mom for Beetlejuice. Catherine O'Hara. Thank you. And they pretty much carry the show. So, Well, along with uh, uh, Chris uh, Chris Elliott. His name. I love Chris Elliott. Yeah, Chris Elliott's awesome. Have you watched it yet? No, I have not watched it. He plays he plays the white trash mayor of the town. <laughs> it's a pretty awesome. Yeah, I was a big fan of uh, Get a Life when that was on. And that made me love Chris Elliott forever. Yeah. The episode where they fill his bedroom with concrete to keep him from moving back home is... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then after I watched these Peter Cushing movies, I was like, you know what? I need some more Peter Cushing in my life. So I watched The Curse of Fucking Frankenstein, Doug. <laughs> oh, for God's sakes. Why would you subject yourself to that? That's a terrible movie. Do you think the. Mo- ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, his brain just collapsed on itself. See, I. Uh, man, are. Arguably, if you if you throw out the Universal Frankenstein movies, which I kind of think you have to when you're talking about this kind of thing, this is the best Frankenstein movie. Oh, you're getting your words wrong again or something. Maybe there's a translation error. No. No, you're just wrong. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I Look, I, I'm a big fan of the, the later Frankenstein movies in the, uh, in the Hammer series, but those first, I think it's I can't even remember because it's been a while since I watched it, but at least the first one is like, what would happen if like a high school cast was putting on a Frankenstein play, but none of them had actually read the book. They just did the Coles notes. It's madness. I just don't, I don't understand. It's such a good, it's such a good fucking Frankenstein movie. What kind of of notes did you say? Coles notes. Interesting. Okay, so you guys have cliff notes now, yeah. I think they're both, they both exist up here. Oh, okay. Interesting. I was a model student and never used any, so I don't (laughs) really know. So I I legitimately never have either, so that's why (laughs) I was like, maybe they have both down here too. I just like the fact that you're like, that's what I took from all of this. You two idiots are yelling at each other again. But look what I found. So I followed that up with The Evil of Frankenstein, the next movie in the series, which in some ways is a better movie than the first movie, but the monster's nowhere near as good, which is a little fucking disappointing. I don't I don't get how that movie clearly has a way higher budget and they didn't make any attempt to make the monster look good. It looks like he's wearing like green paper mache on his face. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the worst one. Yeah, it's really bad. Really, really bad. But besides that, it's, like I said, it's probably a, a more technically better movie because a lot more shit happens. Yeah, I believe the first one is really pared down telling of the story because they're yeah. essentially at that point trying to ape the uh, Universal movies. Oh, that's exactly what they're doing. They're, ap- they're aping it with, with slightly more violence. And uh, some some boobs, not naked boobs, just just women with low cut shirts leaning in the camera. 
Yeah, it is like Amish porn, the way they shot some of those early Hammer movies. It really is. They're like, we can't get away with actual nudity, but we're going to get just as close as we can. Oh, that hammer cleavage! Uh, and, and that's it. I ran out of uh, I ran out of time. I probably would have just kept watching, <laughs> pushing Frankenstein with me if I had more time. But they do, they do get more fun as they move on. I find that's it's my general take on all things Hammer. Is the further they get away from trying to be universal and just be Hammer, they tend the movies tend to be get better. So by the time David Prowse is playing that weird-looking Sasquatch thing in a Frankenstein movie for some reason, <laughs> it's like, all right, that's fun. <laughs> I mean, the second, the second evil of Frankenstein's basically a retelling of like the Gollum myth with uh, with Frankenstein. It's been a while since I watched them. The second one's the one where he brings he you know he finds the uh the monster again after he gets released from prison reanimates it the cops do something to it and like brain damage it and then it won't wake up again and they decide there's nothing wrong physiological it's an issue of the mind that it can't like function so he brings in like zoltar the hypnotist to to free up the creature's mind and instead Zoltar turns it into like an assassin and starts sending it after the people he doesn't like. Fucking Zoltar, nothing but trouble, that guy. Motherfucker. <laughs> Can't trust them carnival folk. <sighs> Always trying to get over on your friendly neighborhood right. mad scientist and his horrible uh, creation. Right. Let's keep the anti-carny rhetoric <laughs> to a minimum, okay? Small hands smell like cabbage. <sighs> Uh, what did you watch, Doug? Uh, let's see. I had I had some time because I wasn't here last week. I did watch the movies from last week, but you guys spent plenty of time discussing those. Uh, That's what you think. We always want to hear more about King <laughs> I, I I will honestly just say probably black exploitation kung fu not my thing. Um, well made movies. I watched them. I'm like those are good there's a few good jokes in each one but overall i just i guess i just don't see the fun in watching guys go yeah over and over again but but we watch blood sport i know but it's different <laughs> no because the fight scenes black is that your problem <laughs> you there's plenty of black bitch. people in blood sport and also that i think the big difference for me is that the fight scenes in blood sport are good whereas the fight scenes in these types of movies. I mean, it's not, I won't say they're not good. They're accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish, but what they're, they're not actually executing good martial arts. <laughs> they're just, so the individually, the scenes could be funny, but overall, I just, to hold my attention for a full hour and a half is. But he karate chopped an arrow. <laughs> like in real life. In real life. Yeah, again, impressive little moment. I, I don't know. All right. Not, and again, they weren't poorly made films. I didn't have a problem watching them. I just didn't get excited for either of them either. All right. You bummer. Then what else did you watch? Uh, I watched a movie called Cargo. Oh, yeah. It's on my list. Yeah, Australian Zombies. Uh, starring... Bilbo Baggins? Yeah. Martin Freeman? Yeah, Martin Freeman. That's what I was going to say, because I don't actually like those Hobbit movies either. Um yeah. No, I'm but, not like a big fan, but yeah, I get you. Anyways, 
Um, so yeah, Australian zombie movie. Basic plot line is guy gets bit by a zombie. He has 48 hours before he turns. That's standard in this zombie universe. And so he's wandering around crazy-ass Australia trying to find somewhere to put his kid before he, before he turns. Um, it was really good. This is a really good zombie movie, mostly because there's not that many zombies in it. Um, they do a really good job of having it be kind of post-apocalyptic to the point of you can just wander around. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I've heard. I've heard from people that say, even if you're sick of zombie movies, like this is still a really good movie. Yeah, like it's not that there isn't a zombie threat throughout the movie, but there's not a lot of scenes of he's just like running and there's just a thousand zombies behind him or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what what makes this movie different is that it's like a really smart movie. It doesn't... So like, okay, so the 48-hour rule, that's how long you have. You get bit, you have 48 hours until you become a zombie. But they don't... Nobody says that. They don't have it written anywhere. What happens is when someone's bit, they have these like government-issued zombie survival kits, and they pull them out, and they put on a watch, and they hit the start button, and it goes to the 48 hours. And they're wearing that the whole time. And it's like, oh, well, that's a neat way to tell us the rules of your zombie universe without having people sit down and have a conversation and say it into the camera. you know. And there's a lot of things like that throughout the movie that are just... Say it's that intelligent movie. It treats the audience with respect. Um, plus, it's funny as hell. There's government issued zombie survival kits. It's literally like a little kit. You open it up. It has this watch in it. It has like a special tool for killing yourself when your 48 hours are up. And it has like these cards that we don't spend a lot of time on, but they kind of look like those what to do if the plane crash cards that are tucked in the back of your the seat in front of you when you get on a flight. It's like those, but for zombies. Yeah. And it's like that's so. that's fun and intelligent and yeah. Like I say most of the movie is Arn Freeman walking around place to place, meeting up with different people, trying to find somewhere to leave his kid. Um there's some commentary in there about how the Aboriginal peoples of Australia react to the zombie threat differently than the white folk do. I don't understand that commentary because I don't understand the relationships between those two groups in Australia, but I imagine it's somewhat tense from what I gather based on this and the people in Crocodile Dundee who didn't seem to get along. Um, <laughs> Everything we know about Australia we got from Crocodile Dundee. We, it's true. and it, uh, I totally agree. <laughs> and I assume it's entirely accurate. The thing is, if I ever encountered like a, a charging bull... I would try that weird, like, staring thing while moving your hand back and forth. Yeah. And I would get trampled because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you would or not. <laughs> well, you would because you don't know how to do it right. That's right. I'm not Mick Dundee. But I would definitely, if I ever get mugged, I'm taking, like, a can and trying to throw it at the guy while he's running away and just pick him <laughs> off in the distance. I don't see how that could backfire. <laughs> Turns around. Did you throw a can at me? Pulls a knife out. Oh, shit. I didn't bring my super big knife with me. Yeah, yeah. It's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> Anyways, that's the other interesting thing about a zombie movie set in Australia. Everybody is much more calm about the zombie apocalypse. And at first I thought that was just a decision by the filmmakers um, to try to, you know, not have it be a movie filled with panic. But then I realized it's just because they're in Australia. And 
I mean, the percentage chances of getting bit by something that'll kill you just went up like 3%. Zombies <laughs> came along. <laughs> like, all these people were going to die because they got bit by something. Now it could be zombies. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And there's some other really good stuff in that movie that we can talk about maybe if you guys ever see it. Um, yeah. Some I of the stuff. I have to watch it this week to talk with my friend about it. Okay. I'll see him next week. So, hopefully by next week I'll have watched it. There's, there's some stuff that people do to other people in it that is pretty dark that is I won't spoil for you because it's cool. less than usual anyway. It's not what you would call a, a straightforward normal zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after that, I watched a movie called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, mm-hmm. which is a long-ass title for a <laughs> little revenge movie. Uh, the reason I picked it is because it is actually the director directorial debut of Megan Blair, who was the star of Blue Ruin. Oh, okay. So this I watched this shortly after we discussed Blue Ruin. Uh, this one, another sort of revenge-ish movie. Um, much different in tone from Blue Ruin. It's a much lighter tone. It's one of those sort of quirky indie films. Um, but yeah, basic plot line is this girl's house gets robbed she decides to go looking for to get her stuff back because she's not happy with the fact the police are basically brushing her off saying well you know you should have done a better job locking your door leave us alone about this but we have real problems to deal with um and she has you know things gradually kind of spiral out of control and things go the way they do really fun performance in the movie from uh, elijah wood speaking of like guys that played hobbits um, apparently that was a secondary theme to my movie watching this week. Apparently. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, really fun movie to watch. Very unusual. Very different, which so I recommend it to people who are always out there looking for something a little more unique and original. Um, and, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. Plot-wise, it's, it's like I say, Elijah Wood and this girl going on this weird sort of adventure trying to get back her stuff that was stolen out of her house but you know you got Elijah Wood he's the type of weirdo that's carrying throwing stars with him <laughs> as you do <laughs> if, that, if that tells you anything you need to know and not because he's like an expert at it like to give you an idea of this okay so the first the first thing of hers that they find is her laptop and basically just she's had a tracker on it through one of her apps on her phone it popped up she tries to tell the police where it is. They don't want to go get it, so she rounds up Elijah Wood, and they go there to get it. And Elijah Wood just like storms in, immediately throws a throwing star at the wall. <laughs> and then there's a little confrontation where it's revealed that, hey, these guys aren't the ones that stole her laptop. They actually bought it off this other guy, and they tell her where to go and stuff. And uh, he goes to get his throwing star, and he can't pull it out of the wall. <laughs> so there's like a really awkward few seconds of him trying to get it out of the wall. Then he finally gets it out. He's walking out. And he just looks back. And he's like, that's how hard I threw it. <laughs> it's like, All right. That's the kind of movie we're in. Um, you know? So overall, I was, I was pretty happy with it. It was on my to watch list for a while. And it just kind of, after watching Blue Ruin and realizing that this one was directed by that guy, I thought I need to see where it went. Hmm. Sounds interesting. It's been on my list for a while. Yeah. Well, it just showed up on Netflix like a long time ago, and I'm like, oh, that looks weird enough for me to enjoy it. But I never got around to it until now. 
So let's see. After that, I watched the first two uh, movies in the Ginger Snaps series, which I've seen plenty of times, and they were awesome. All the other times I saw them, and they continue to be awesome. Um, I don't know how much time I want to spend talking about them because, I mean, they're they're not exactly new movies, and most people have seen them. Yeah. But I will definitely. I always every any excuse I get, I always bring up the. Uh, the fact that people who haven't seen Ginger Snaps 2 should see Ginger Snaps 2. It is one of the most unique and interesting horror sequels of the last, like, 25 years. And it just, I think it's one of those ones that kind of just people just assumed, oh, it's like a direct-to-video type sequel to a film that did okay. No, it's its own movie. It's... It is a direct follow-up to the original movie, but it has some very good ideas. In yeah, didn't you and Scott talk about that one last podcast? Uh, very possibly. Because I think I ended up not caring and just listened to the spoilers. Yeah. And then was bummed that I listened to the spoilers because I'm like, that sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> it would have been cool to like experience that unspoiled. But yeah, well, I mean, even just even just the basic plot of the movie, it's not spoilery to say that like. It starts up with the girl like drugging herself on the run from a werewolf drugging herself so that she doesn't turn and she eventually ends up you know due to circumstances she wakes up in a rehab where they're just taking her drugs away because they don't realize that if they take her drugs away she'll turn into a werewolf that's a unique enough idea to start with and the film has a whole bunch of different twists and turns after that so yeah yeah i need to watch it at some point all right yeah, so oh, it's such a good movie. I might watch it again now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the next movie I actually watched specifically because <laughs> I seem to recall Noah was telling me that he hates like wilderness survival movies. And since I didn't get to talk to you guys last week, I thought I wanted to do something that'll upset Noah, so I watched a movie called Backcountry, uh, which is your pretty typical couple goes out in the woods couple gets lost bear shows up type story it's always a bear <laughs> there's always a bear <laughs> i don't know why there's always a bear and there's always like the dumbass couple that decided that they're gonna go off off the trail or they're gonna go to the part of the trail that's closed <laughs> you know this storyline is extremely uh typical of this type of movie but it's relatively well executed and the bear attacks are pretty good, even though the bear is not behaving the way a bear would behave in the circumstances. The way a bear would behave in the circumstances is take your food and then wander off. So that wouldn't be that good a movie. So Noah, would you like a movie like this if it was a bear instead of a bear? <laughs> <laughs> this big hairy gay dude that's just bugging these people the whole time. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I would watch if if there was a, a video about a bunch of people camping in the woods being terrorized by a leather chap wearing hairy chested gay man. They're a whole part of Bruno that was pretty much that. That movie. Yeah. That sounds like a really good fucking movie to me. Uh, fuck did we get here? Um, and it's not that I hate hate wilderness survival. It's that they're all the same fucking movie. I feel like yeah. there isn't a single wilderness survival movie that gives you fucking anything. 
that any other wilderness survival movie hasn't done, including a fucking bear. Predominantly the bear. Yeah. I this mean, with, has... a few, with a few exceptions, like shirtless uh, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's that's something. That's a twist. That's a twist. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen taking taking his shirt off is a twist. Yeah, it makes, it makes that one tolerable. All right. That's a weird way to approach it. Seems like you're only comfortable with um, wilderness, wilderness movies as long as there's hairy-chested, shirtless men. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's partially correct. Yeah. All right. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, I don't. I don't have anything else to say about that movie. It was pretty pretty standard fare. I did enjoy watching it because I haven't watched a wilderness survival movie in a while. Um, but. I'll never watch it again, and I don't remember any of the character names or anything like that. So, take it for what you will. Uh, and then I went and saw Deadpool 2 in theaters. Oh, finally. Finally. Yeah, it's like way late. <laughs> so, <laughs> this movie's been out for like a month before I get to it now, but... So how uh, did you feel? I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it was darker than I expected. Um, I thought Cable was awesome. I'd watch a whole movie about Cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, like, I don't know much about that character from the comics. I've only read a couple uh, of he, he really does not have that convoluted of a backstory, so it should be pretty easy. Okay. So, yeah. That was, that was sarcasm, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, I don't know. So, um, well, Doug, he is. He is the son of Scott Summers and a clone of Jean Grey who was infected by some techno-organic virus and then went to live in the future so they could cure it and then came back in time as a time-traveling soldier. Right. Makes sense, right? That is is an extraordinarily simplified version of that. Yes. But, you, you skipped the whole part where uh, there's a future savior cult dedicated to him, <laughs> and they clone him, and so he's got an evil clone and an alternate reality version of himself. And yeah, not complicated but he, whatsoever. But he was good in the movie. He was awesome. What I took from it, I thought he was great in the movie. I, I sort of predicted that Josh Brolin would be good at playing like the stone face against Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool mm-hmm. and then he was um, yeah. but yeah I, I thought there was a lot that went on in the movie that I just didn't see coming and I guess I just didn't <laughs> I guess I just didn't think they would do this much with the plot twists and I expected it to be a little more straightforward and be more about just the jokes no they mm-hmm. did a lot of even though they were done in a funny way there were a lot of different plot twists and they are because my understanding is they're setting up an X-Force movie and that movie's not going to be what I thought it was either because <laughs> the way this movie played out, it can't be what I thought it was going to be. Well, or or is it? You're right. Maybe it is. Who knows? Because uh, apparently from what I've heard, the post credit stuff is considered canon. Okay. So... So they've altered a lot of different timelines then because there is no... I love the yes. post credit stuff. So basically, basically they time traveled shenanigans to their own movie on purpose. Yes, right. 
<laughs> so basically, the point of the movie is pointless. Yeah, there's <laughs> they just time travel fix everything. For it's like the, a spoiler alert, but it's been out long enough. You should know by now. For me, the point of the movie is very simple. The point of the movie was so that he could keep gradually going back into that like weird heaven world where he can't talk to his girlfriend until they play the aha song and then can actually pass through very much like the video that was my favorite joke in the whole movie and i don't think anybody else in the theater got it uh, i need to go see it again yeah the only thing is like the big uh, the big name character who isn't in the trailers but is in the movie that was supposed to be a shocker that was uh, spoiled for me so i was Aww. really disappointed I think it would have been a lot of fun to go in not knowing he was there. I had no idea. So, and I was just like, no. And then it's like, yep. I think I would have figured it out when they started teasing him anyway, but it still would have been fun not to know until then. Yeah. Noah thought it was somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to be strong guy. Okay. (laughs) And I will say that there is a new term now when my kid escapes the change table, Halfway through a diaper change, I do go look out his shirt cocking it. Yeah, that's really fun. <laughs> Straight up Winnie the Pooh. In. <laughs> and that's really fun to say to the point where I will now let my kid escape halfway through a diaper change just so I get to say it. <laughs> and before you ask, yep, it's already backfired. <laughs> Don't care. Still worth it. That was by far the funniest part of that whole movie for me. It was by far when he had the like, and it was just a retread of the old joke, but about the hand from the previous movie. But when he was just when he was just all like shrunken legged, you see him walk over to Cable and he's like a little midget. I'm just like, he goes, I do know what it looks like for a full grown man to have baby balls now. <laughs> <sighs> So yeah, Deadpool 2 was a lot of fun. <sighs> I'm, I'm only sad it took you this long to get a chance to see it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I knew... It's just it's just my life is that I don't always get to go see every movie in the theaters. <sighs> sad, sad world. I know, I know. Everyone's <laughs> upset about it. Uh, let's see. I went and saw a couple things at the theater... Uh, I went and saw Hotel Artemis, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, out right now, basically a hotel that is set up as a hospital for thieves, hitmen, stuff like that. As long as you pay your your uh, club fee. So, like, if you're on a job and you get shot, you can go to this place and they'll like patch you up. And Jodie Foster runs it. And uh, these two guys are robbing a bank, and they can't get into the vault, so they just essentially rob everybody at the bank who's standing in line. And meanwhile, this is in the midst of, like, riots going on in L.A., and they determine that, like, well, during a riot, like, rich people are not going to want to, like, leave their house with their valuables, so they will send their people out to the bank to, like, you know, secure all of their whatever. So they basically rob everybody at the bank. Turns out one of them has this pen. It's in the trailer. 
This pen with like uh, these diamonds in it is essentially like a portable vault. And uh, while they're at this hotel recuperating after having a firefight with the police, the big name mobster comes to the hotel to like try to get his stuff back. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, lots of gunfights. Uh, you get to see Dave Batista as an orderly. Which is awesome because people start acting up and he just reminds them that he's a healthcare professional and will punch them in the face if they don't shut up. Uh, so good times if you get a chance to see it. I would recommend it. Um, I got a chance to watch The Endless, uh, which I believe is coming out on DVD in a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, did either one of you watch the movie Spring that came out a couple years ago? Yes. That's the one about was it the guys that were like, I can't remember what, what it was about. Uh, it was like in Europe and the guy met the girl and then she yeah, tried yeah. to not be human or whatever. Yes. Okay. Uh, same filmmakers. And this one deals with two brothers who left like a UFO cult, UFO cult like 10 years before. And they decide to go back. Something prompts them to go back and kind of revisit this cult thing. And then uh, weird stuff starts happening. And they determine that maybe the cult wasn't as full of bullshit as they thought. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I was a big fan of Spring when I saw it. I uh, really enjoyed this one. Uh... I think they're interesting because they essentially are making like Lovecraft movies, but they're like really subtle about it. It's not like super like in your face, like horror movies. It's just these sort of weird little situations that these people find themselves in. Yeah. And there's a lot of like Lovecraft undertones to it. Yeah. I can certainly see that in spring. Spring was a really well-made film. Mm hmm. Uh, and this one just straight up opens with a HP Lovecraft quote at the beginning. So, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, we actually got a couple of copies for giveaway. So we may be doing a giveaway here soon on the website or the Facebook or whenever I get around to deciding what I'm going to do. Uh, but like I said, I think it comes out in a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good time. Uh, and then the last thing I watched, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I went and saw Hereditary, which is, I mean, it's out now. Everybody's kind of talking about it. Yeah. It's supposed to be like the horror movie of the year. Um, I went and saw it. I really enjoyed it. Thought it was really good. Definitely very much a slow burn. Then the last like 15, 20 minutes are like, what the fuck is going on? Which uh, I can I can get behind movies like that if I'm in the mood for it. So had a great time with it. Super awesome. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, if you go see it in the theater, you get a good theater. Our theater was good. Nice and quiet. Nobody was being ridiculous or anything. So, as I imagine, this seems like it's such a quiet movie that if you were in a theater where people were just being stupid and talking and causing a ruckus that it would piss me off well it pissed me off anyway 
But I feel like this would almost just ruin the movie. That's enough to make me not want to see it in a mainstream theater. Yeah. If I do get a chance to see it, maybe I'll wait until it's in the second run theaters where you don't get as much of that audience. Yeah, might be a good idea. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Really dark, really good performance from Tony Collette. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people say a lot of positive things about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just kind of got to be, got to make sure that you're, uh, you're, I guess, into the type of movie that it is. Like a lot of people pointed out, because it's an A24 movie, who also put out like The Witch, and it comes at night or whatever, which I didn't see that one, but I felt like it's somewhat like The Witch, where it's a very slow burn, and then all of a sudden shit just goes crazy. Um, but I, f- I feel like this was a better all-around movie. I feel like I had a lot more of a story and stuff, so um, worth a watch, for sure. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Doug, since you were gone, we let you pick the movies for next week. What are we going to be watching? Well, um, I don't know if I said this on mic or before mic, but I uh, I recently decided to get back into the VHS game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, one of the first ones I have to watch is Over the Top, which I don't think I've ever actually seen start to finish. Oh. Um, been a long time for me yeah so I, I may have seen it back in the 80s i definitely have visuals in my head of sylvester stallone arm wrestling and way too many close-ups on his biceps um i know he has to, i know he arm wrestles better if he turns his hat around backwards which is just i guess common sense maybe the movie didn't even teach me that uh and for so if we're gonna watch that one and for whatever reason it's teamed up with hands of steel which i don't know what i'm getting myself into there but <laughs> yeah what, what kind of movie is that Noah? uh it is a italian slash spanish uh terminator knockoff with arm wrestling with which involves arm wrestling all right and so... and and one of the greatest karate chop moments ever placed in a movie <laughs> Yeah, and can, one of the conditions where I agreed to watch that is it is available for free on YouTube. So <laughs> <laughs> if I'd had to pay to watch the movie following that description, I'm not sure I would have. Well, it's just because you're no fun. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.